Chapter 30 The Restoration of the Banished For we will surely die, and are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away life, but plans ways so that the banished one will not be cast out from him. 2 Samuel 14, 14. Such is the wise woman's argument, or rather, Joab's, addressed to King David, in order to persuade him to be reconciled to Absalom. God does not deal with us as you deal with your son, though we have deserved his anger. He punishes, yet he devises means for the cancelling of the punishment and the restoration of his exiles. He is just, yet he is the Savior. Remember the woman's statement. 1. We must die. This is the law, the inevitable, inexorable law, not of nature or fate, but of God. To dust you shall return, Genesis 3.19, and it is appointed for men to die once, Hebrews 9.27. This is no probability, but a certainty, a necessity, greater than that the sun will rise and set tomorrow. He died is the conclusion of each man's history. Our world's story is one of death. It might be Methuselah's nine hundred years or David's seventy years, but it is death at last. Even when the Son of God took our nature, He had to die. No one has escaped this except two. No one will except those who are alive when Christ comes. You may have health, friends, riches, and honors, but you must die. When? Where? and how, you do not know. 2. We are as water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Man lies down and does not rise. He is not like some building, which when ruined may be re-erected, nor like the fallen fruit, which may be gathered up. But he is like water, which mingles with the soil and cannot be picked up. He mixes with the earth and cannot raise himself, nor be raised by his fellow man. He passes away and does not return. Look at the churchyard. There is the water spilled on the ground. Look at earth's battlefield. There is the water spilled. Look at the depths of the ocean, which have swallowed up tens of thousands. There is the water spilled. Not one drop has yet been gathered up of all that has been spilled since the world began, except one drop, one precious drop even him who saw no corruption. No grave has given up its dust. Each slumbering atom lies till the great morning. We may walk among them and weep over them and raise monuments with names and epitaphs, but we cannot gather them up. There they remain until he comes, who is the resurrection and the life, to put forth his hand and take up each forgotten particle. 3. God does not respect persons. In his sight, everyone is alike, as sinners, as creatures, as sons of Adam, as dying men, young or old, low or high. He cannot be bribed to spare any. He accepts no man's person. The sickbed and the deathbed are spread for everyone. The tomb opens for everyone. It may be simple turf or some rich marble monument, but it is still a tomb, a receptacle for human bones and dust. No ornaments can make it otherwise. You must die 
is the recorded sentence, and God makes no exceptions. And four, He devises means for the restoration of His banished ones. He is righteous and will not alleviate sin nor repeal His sentence. Yet He does not leave us without hope. Note here, A. His banished ones. We are God's banished ones, no longer in our Father's house or the King's palace, no longer cast out like Adam from paradise, Cain from God's presence, Absalom from Jerusalem, or Israel from Canaan. Sin has done it all. The brand of exile is upon us. It is God Himself who has banished us. Elsewhere, we are described as prodigals leaving our Father's house, here as criminals banished from His presence. O man, you are an exile. Perhaps you don't feel your loneliness, and you've become familiarized with the place of exile. Nevertheless, you are a banished man, banished from Him who made you and in whose favor is life. B. God's love to the banished. He has expressed His displeasure against their rebellion by banishing them, yet He has not forgotten them. He pities them, yearns over them, and calls them back. Distance has not erased their names from His paternal heart. No one else may pity them, but He does. The Father sees His prodigals in the far-off country. Their misery, loneliness of heart, and weariness call forth His pity. He stretches out His hands, and the words of His lips are, Come unto me, return, return. See, God's design to restore them. He has a purpose of grace. The good pleasure of His goodness shows itself in a gracious design, a plan of mingled sovereignty and goodwill, righteousness and grace. He has resolved that they will not remain far away. His purpose will stand. D. His means for this. These are not stated here, but the Bible is the revelation of these. He does not spare His Son, but sends Him in quest of the exiles. He comes into the land of banishment, lies in an exile's cradle, becomes a banished man for them, lives a banished life, endures an exile's shame, dies an exile's death, and is buried in an exile's tomb. He takes our place of banishment, so that we may take His place of honor and glory in the home of His Father and our Father. Such is the exchange between the exile and the exile's divine substitute. Though rich, for our sakes he becomes poor. Though at home, he comes into banishment, so that we may not be expelled forever. And here, in connection with our restoration through a substitute, there are three questions. First, will the Father accept a substitute? Yes, he will. Indeed, he has. His purpose of grace has been carried out by his providing the substitute. He has sent his Son. He has sent Solomon to seek Absalom, to bear Absalom's penalty. He has not spared his son so that he may spare us. Second, is the son willing to become a substitute? Will Solomon leave Jerusalem and David's palace and take the place of the banished Absalom? He will. Indeed, he has done it. He has come down in pursuit of us. He has borne our sins. And third, Are you willing to take this substitute? He has come. He offers the exchange. Give me your guilt and take my righteousness. 
you rebellious son, you banished Absalom, you hater of your heavenly Father, and conspirator against his government, will you not return? Your father's heart yearns over you. He longs to have you back. Return, return! If not, he weeps over you as over Jerusalem, and when you die, he cries out, O Absalom, my son, my son! 2 Samuel 18, 33.